Hey everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod, and welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. Today we continue with our spooky movies with Nightmare on Elm Street. The monstrous spirit of a slain janitor seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. Oh, it's Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it's about damn time I saw this movie. And you've never seen any of the Freddy Kruegers. None. Of which there are many. Oh, oh, I know. Mm-hmm. All right, so this film had a budget of $1.8 million, and it grossed $25 million. Still not as much as Halloween. No, but this is 1984 money, so... Yeah. It's not it's not that far off. So what what did you think? I was digging this movie right up until the very end. And then it ended. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel. Okay. Is <sighs> it is it because of the movie or the whole or the ending? Oh, the ending. Okay. That is not the original ending Wes Craven wanted. Well, don't tell me yet. I won't. That is not what he wanted. Good. Uh, he he did want a happy ending, and he has not written any of the Freddy sequels, nor has he directed them. For the reason of how this movie wraps itself up? He didn't want to do any sequels. This He wanted this to be a one-shot. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I do get that. Yeah. Same thing with John Carpenter and Halloween. But to be fair, he made such an amazing villain, I understand. Like, well, he's got to come back. We got to We got to use him again because he's amazing. He doesn't have to come back. Like that's not a requirement that he be there. Mm. But he's so good. Of all of the horror films we are going to watch or and have watched, this is the one that messed me up the most. When did you see it? It was probably eight. Okay, that's why. Okay, if yeah. you are mid adolescent, I can understand why this movie would spook you. It is not a scary movie. It is, though. It is. It is so. It is it's psychological. At it that. tries really hard to get there. True, true. It's not perfect. But it's, it doesn't ever quite get there. I mean, I'm still so creeped out by the bathtub scene that even tonight, I'm just like, I have to get out of the bathtub. <laughs> well, I will say I did have a horrible, horrible woken up nightmare of a car crash. The oh, night after I saw this. That's so. nice. Yeah. That's always a good thing to, to have happen. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't quite get there, and maybe because the ending is just kind of laughable. The dialogue is horrible. Oh, God. It's not good. Well, the dialogue could be okay if it weren't for the really, really shitty acting. If there is one thing this movie did not do well... It was have actors no. who could do anything. I do not disagree. And that includes Johnny Depp. This is his first credit ever. And if we based, if we based his acting on this movie alone, ooh, I don't know if he should have stuck around. All right. So we're going to start with our writer-director. And it's someone we've talked about before. It's Wes Craven. He wrote and directed this uh, for writing. Uh, before this film, he did The Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing, Hills Have Eyes 2. After this, he did Shocker, Pulse, and a couple of smaller things. For directing, before he directed this, he did Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing, Hills Have Eyes 2. And then after, 
course, the screams, the music of the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that weird random entry in his di- yeah in his discography. He's not a musician. No, his filmography. filmography. So I I think from a writing perspective, he wins on the idea. Yeah, he but does. not on the execution. Well, it depends on what execution we're talking about. The uh, execution of murders, I'm going to say he wins. Holy crap. Because, like, I haven't seen this movie probably since I was 15, 16 years old. And I was still impressed with the effects. The special effects make this movie worth watching. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I was mostly impressed by. I, I, I wasn't wanting to buy in at all, but... The more crazy the effects got, the more sucked in I got to it. Mm -hmm. And then over time, the characters became more and more interesting because of the terror they'd faced. The more exhausted and freaked out Mm -hmm. they seemed by what was going on, the more believable the performances became. Well, okay. And I will say this. They added a device that made sense. So towards the end of the film, Nancy starts home aloneing her house, <laughs> which we're making fun of. But she previously in the movie, we see her looking at, you know, booby traps and like self-surveillance. Like she's doing her homework. So that's just her implementing the homework. I like that <laughs> because if we did not get that little scene of her and Glenn on a bridge talking about how she's like, I'm scared, I'm worried. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing some homework none of it would have worked if you don't have that then the rest of it is just extra stupid yeah yeah i cheat she, she, kevin McAllister's it up like crazy which i love because <laughs> i love home alone uh, and he gets points for the direction of the the special effects but the rest of the film that's the thing there's not much there to remark upon mm-hmm I mean, we get into it pretty damn quick. Which I love. I like it when we don't waste a lot of time getting to the problem. Yeah. Meeting our villain. All right, let's get to our cast. Uh, We're going to start off with John Saxon, who plays Lieutenant Thompson. This is Nancy's dad. He's, of course, the chief of police. John Saxon is in every bad fucking movie. He He, is in everything. He had tons of movie credits before this. But then he also had a ton of TV. He was in The Bold Ones. He was in Enter the Dragon, Gunsmoke, uh, Fantasy Island. Then he did this. After this, he had Dynasty, Falcon Crest, Murder, She Wrote, Melrose Place. And he's still working. He is a poor man's James Mason. Yeah. That's, that's a really good comparison. And also, he's hamming it up way too much as the chief of police in this sleepy little town. Yes. He's too dour and serious for this sunny, sleepy little town thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the sheriff who was wooden in Halloween mm-hmm. was still better than what oh, he's doing here. I agree. He's and just weirdly overacting it. I think the family connection to Nancy hindered his character because it just made it more annoying. Nobody is committed or paying attention to what they need to actually do. In these scenes, like, if there's a big problem with the adults and the family connection and Nancy's whole thing, Mm -hmm. it's that they don't act upon what the central premise of the story is, which Mm -hmm. is no one believes these kids. They think they're making it all up. Everything is set up to make them look like these horrible tragedies happened. You know, one kid gets murdered, then the perpetrator of that murder hangs himself. Freddy's got this all orchestrated this way, so they can never actually get their parents to admit mm-hmm. that they might be telling the truth. And they never act to lean into that premise. Mm-hmm. 
because that's that's what we're supposed to buy into. Next, we have Ronnie Blakely as Marge Thompson, Nancy's mom. Oh. She is the worst. Mm. She's actually worse than the kids. Is she she's, an alcoholic? She's, she's clearly an alcoholic. She's but then she's so lucid earnest. randomly in her alcoholism. But she kept uh, Fred Krueger's glove. Like you're stupid. You're just stupid and sloppy. She's a sloppy character. That's not her fault for mm-hmm. being sloppy. What no. is her fault is not trying to tighten up anything in there. She's not believable at all. I mean, I feel you could say the same thing about every other actor in this movie. Mm, no, I, I think Nancy's believable. Nancy gets there by the end of the movie. Fair. But it takes a while. Mm. Okay, so we don't like Ronnie Blakely. No. So let's go next to Heather Langenkamp, who plays Nancy. This was her first super big thing. She was in The Outsiders before this. Her scenes were deleted. And then she was on Passions on TV. And then she did this. Um, she did a couple more in the franchise, uh, and then she was on Just the Ten of Us, Growing Pains, American Horror Story. She played the Tupperware housewife. You know, that's a nice little cameo, and she's still working. She's still doing some stuff here and there. It's a real slow burn for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's super wooden and annoying and frustratingly bad as mm-hmm. the rest of the kids. Right up until, I would honestly say, the sleep study scene, mm-hmm. that's when it starts to gear shift for her a little bit. Mm-hmm. She still doesn't ever quite get there. I don't feel like it ever quite reaches where it's supposed to be. I like her. I uh-huh. believe her. She's young and naive. And, you know, I, I just don't want to fall asleep because bad things happen when I sleep. For me, my issue with her is when she comes to her resolve of, I just have to realize that you're not real. That's not a powerful stance from her. It's very weak the way she delivers that whole bit. And that's where I needed more from her. See, I kind of like that. I mean, what I like about that is not that she doesn't have any power, but that there's no other way to escape this dude. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a resignation of that. But there's no confidence coming from her. Well, there never has been because she's one note through the entire movie. (laughs) That's where I'm I'm fine with her being one note until we get to that point. And Uh, that's when I needed a a shift and we didn't get it. Gradually, we need to see your character have more and more emotion and investment. I mean, she she Kevin McAllistered her whole damn house. At that point, she ought to be pretty damn resolved, right? At least a little bit more. <laughs> we go on to Amanda Weiss, who played Tina. Uh, she was on a lot of TV. She was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And then after this, she did Better Off Dead, St. Elsewhere's, Cheers, Highlander. Uh, and then she's still working. She just finished a bunch of different stuff. That is she the love interest in Highlander? Uh, she plays Randy. I, it was a TV show. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I didn't watch that crap. Oh, just kidding. That My, show was supposed to be pretty great. I watched a good chunk of that. It wasn't bad. Yeah, no. Because they used the monologue again. <laughs> it's part of the opening sequence. Well, but he was Duncan McLeod. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to murder you. That's gonna happen. She did a really. She died really well. Well, some of that is the uh, the special effects. Yeah, but she still had to do all that so. crawling on the ceiling. Yeah, she had to do all that crawling. You had to believe that she was being murdered, and I did. Uh huh. Yeah. No. She did good. Ah, uh, it's not. It's not hard to believe someone's being murdered when blood is shooting out from all over the place and they're being thrown around a room sure. with no one in sight. Sure. 
while her boyfriend is standing there. I think she did a good job. I think she did a perfectly fine job. I have no complaints. All right, next we have Zoo Garcia. It's J-S-U, so I'm not entirely sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. But he's credited as Nick Corey, and he plays Rod Lane, a.k.a. the movie's douchebag. He's a very serviceable douche. I mean, he plays that role well. Kind of. I mean, he's horrible in the movie, but his character's definitely a douchebag, and I believe that's what he is. Yeah, He time. served his purpose. He did serve his purpose, but there's, a, there's this weird thing here of... They serve their purpose only up to the point that they're supposed to, and then there's nothing extra. Mm. But that's my biggest complaint about all these different actors. They just sort of do what they're supposed to, but we don't get anything interesting out of them. Uh, that's fair. This is a horror movie, and so a lot of like good dialogue is not always part of the equation. I it makes me wonder, did Wes not spend any time we with have, the actors? We have too many brand new actors. All the kids are brand new. Right. This guy, he did one short before this and then this movie. He's gone on to do a bunch of television. He was in Predator 2, Murder 1. Along came Polly. He was on Crossing Jordan without a trace. And he's still working. He needed big performances out of people. And you didn't get them. And part of that is that you cast a bunch of kids who didn't have any experience to pull from. See, I would say that, but we've seen so many examples of kids who didn't have any experience that they pulled performances from. It takes a different type of director. And he may just not be the type of director um, who can pull something out of someone who's fresh. Yeah, I think the, I think the problem here is, is Craven for not... Not realizing he needs to dedicate some time with the actors in this movie. Maybe because he's so busy trying to stage those sequences. Maybe so. It's, an over, it's just an overall issue with everybody in the movie. Next we have Johnny Depp as Glenn. This is his very first credit in anything ever. He was cast because Wes Craven saw him and was like, oh, he looks dreamy. He's not wrong. That's a career was born. Well, he was dreamy at one point. He was dreamy. Not anymore. No, now he's a creeper. Oh. He's a creeper. He so. went just straight to gross toilet hell. Yeah. He's so bad in this movie. Oh, yeah. He has no idea what he's doing except for like, I'm going to stand here and be pretty. Okay. <laughs> the like three times this movie leans into comedy, mm -hmm. he occasionally gets to mug a tiny bit. He's good at mugging. Well, he can, well, he deadpans. Mm-hmm. Which he's always done his entire career. His his best comedy is when he can just go straight face and tell a joke. Hmm. Unless he's playing Hunter S. Thompson, but that's its own thing. It's a different thing. Or he's just not not self-aware at all, like Jack Sparrow. I know we've talked about it before, but that's one of the best performance decisions ever made. It and really one of the is. worst, because he hasn't played anything other than that since hey, he played it that was a really big meal ticket i understand and you know then he's had some personal life problems and and yeah now he's gonna ruin harry potter but that's a different problem <laughs> he's not i'm still gonna go see the movie and i'm gonna enjoy it and it's gonna be great and then we're gonna move on from it i'm just gonna forget it's johnny depp for half a second i'm gonna focus on the people in the movie that i like there you go then we get to charles fleischer who plays dr king the doctor in the sleep study. He was in a movie. He was. He has an extremely long list of credits. But the one that you will know him the most for is that he is the voice of Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It is. 
weird. Then we have Lynn Shay, who plays the teacher. She has been, she's a character actress who's been in everything. I think the one that will most stick out to people most, maybe not most recently, but I always instantly know this is who she is, is she is the tan lady in Something About Mary. She's the next door neighbor. We're lining up bit roles as good, main roles as terrible. Okay, well then we get to our last person, and that's Robert England. Oh yeah. As Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Or Fred Krueger is how he is credited in this film. Frederick? No, just Fred. Friedrich Kruger. <laughs> Sir Friedrich Kruger. Okay, so what did you think about Robert England as Fred Kruger? It is so hard to gauge him mm-hmm. because he is bouncing off of like brick walls with these kids Fair. way too often. Mm-hmm. Some of it too is it's it's the same issue we have with the Mike Myers and and the shape, the acting of the shape where it's like well, he's an icon. He's not really an actor. Like, it's very hard to gauge. Half the time I see him on screen, it's this iconic movie shot that I've seen about 5,000 times mm-hmm. in horror movie promos. When his arms are outstretched, scraping the metal. Yeah. When we see the gloves. When he's, his I mean, face opens up. we see the creation up. of the gloves in the opening sequence. Yeah. Or the glove. There's only one. There, there is a huge problem in gauging it just from this. And I have a hard time then reconciling him as an actor mm-hmm. just from this. So I don't know. Well, let's get into some of the trivia. Because he played Freddy in about five of the movies. Okay. And then it got passed on. New Line Cinema was saved from bankruptcy by the success of this film. And it is jokingly referred to as the house that Freddy built. Over 500 gallons of blood were used during filming. I'm not shocked by that, especially with that Johnny Depp death scene. Mm-hmm. The original glove that they made was used for Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And it's also in, as used as a prop in Evil Dead 2, but then it got lost after Nightmare or on Elm Street 3. So they had to make a new one. Yeah. The knives on the glove are not actually steak or fishing knives like most people believe. They are tomato knives. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They're the um, they're the, they're a better length. According to Wes Craven, Robert England was not the first choice for Fred Krueger. Craven originally just wanted a stuntman, but after filming the stuntman, he realized he I need an actor. Yes, that's totally fair. I will say Robert England had the physicality needed for Freddy. Definitely the that's where it's so hard to judge his talents as an actor mm-hmm. because. He's clearly the star. He's clearly giving the most committed performance, mm-hmm. but that's a low, low bar. It is, but it, and also then you add to it that he is playing a villain, so he's a heightened character. Yes. And he's also an actor who's in a ton of prosthetics. Yeah, you don't see him. You see him almost always in profile. You see him in profile, which is creepy. He, When you do see his face, it's heavily burned. It took about three hours for him to get into that makeup. And then he's always wielding this glove, which is very menacing and distracting. Yeah. And when we... So, and that's the other thing. When we do see his face, they cut away in about, you know, a millisecond. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's more menacing. Wes Craven originally wanted, like, him to look more gruesome. He wanted, like, teeth, like coming through the jaw like with putt like it was really gross but the makeup people were like um we can't do that with an actor convincingly yeah um so we'd have to use a puppet and then we couldn't do that within other actors so no (laughs) just no no you couldn't you could do it the thing is you could do it now but 
it still wouldn't pass the mm-hmm. the smell test for the sensors in the studio. <laughs> Fred Krueger was a schoolmate of Wes Craven's who used to bully him. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> the idea behind the glove was was just Wes Craven being practical. He wanted something that was easy to use and easy to transport. <laughs> like, and something that you can make cheaply. So it was, just, it was just practical. I love that. You know? We say it time and again. More money doesn't always make you more creative. Well, I mean, Mike Myers has a kitchen knife. That's about it. Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time is credited as coming up with the Freddy nursery rhyme. I've known that my like a long, long fucking time. It's creepy, but I wish they had either done it more mm-hmm. or picked their moment. It's so. I know they use it more in the other films. The film playing on Nancy's television when she drifts off to sleep is The Evil Dead. Okay, I was mm-hmm. wondering what that was, and I knew it looked familiar because I have seen Evil Dead, but I haven't seen the other two. Okay, so when Glenn dies, he was actually supposed to, like, rise back up from the bed. Uh-huh. But they ended up cutting that for time. For time? Yeah. I don't know. Once a giant fire hose of blood starts shooting all over a ceiling, mm-hmm. I feel like you don't need to see anymore. And that set is the same set they used to kill Tina in. Yeah. And it's the use of the, the rotating room. Okay. So that's how all of that worked. Got it. The scene where Freddy presses through the wall above Nancy's bed was shot stretching a sheet of spandex across a hole in the wall and pressing against it. (laughs) That was so creepy. And then when she knocks on the wall, she's knocking on a part where the stretching isn't happening. Sure. Nice. Well, what I love about that is it still plays perfectly. Yeah. If you told me they did that with CGI, I'd be like, sure. But I love, I love practical effects. It's my favorite thing about anything ever. The scene where Freddy's tongue comes out of the phone, which is a prosthetic tongue, and it's being wiggled. Still gross. Yeah, apparently Heather Langenkamp asked to take it home with her, which the prop people thought was really weird. Like, I don't have any more trivia. Like, there's more trivia, but it's not. It's more like the business side of stuff or, like, stuff that's going to have to do with future films. And I don't want to spoil that in case we decide to watch them later on. We'll definitely have to hit New Nightmare at some point. But I don't know if I have to make you watch, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and 3. But New Nightmare, you do have to see at some point. Well, I'll tell you now, I'm not really interested in any of the sequels. That's fair. We do have two bits of who could have been better. Okay. Okay, so the character of Glenn, which they cast Mr. Inexperienced Johnny Depp. We had a couple options that are pretty enticing. You could have had Charlie Sheen. Who? He was very interested, but he wanted too much money. Well, yeah, because he was a legit actor and had, you know, skin in the game. Mm-hmm. John Cusack. He, no. He, he, he went on and did better off dead, so whatever. No, no. Brad Pitt. What? Mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, he would have been He would have been good. I mean, Ke- no, he would have been better Rod. Kiefer oh, Sutherland's too much. he would have been a great much. Rod. He's way too much of the, the doucher guy. To he would have been pull. perfect as Rod. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no he, he would have done as good or bad a job as johnny depp 
No, he would have been really interesting. He would have been 8,000 times more energetic and committed than Johnny Depp. And then we have C. Thomas Howell. Who went on, like, two years later to be in The Hitcher, Mm -hmm. which is another classic I gotta go see. All right, so is there someone here you would pick over Johnny Depp? First of all, I think Charlie Sheen might be the top one there. Hmm. But there's a level at which Charlie Sheen might have outdone Langenkamp. Like, he was a little too edgy looking. Okay. So I almost think if you're going to pick anybody out of there, it's probably C. Thomas Howell. Hmm. A little more plain, a little more Midwest, and would have played really nicely against her. Plus, could have played that... Aw shucks, I'm just a boyfriend. I'm sleepy. Who the fuck cares? See, I, I would have gone with Charlie Sheen out of that list. But I would want Kiefer Sutherland as Rod. Oh, hell yeah. That's That would be my choice. Have him be the dirty, dirty boy. All right, and our next one is for the role of Nancy. Uh-huh. Heather Langenkamp beat out 200 girls <laughs> for this role. Yeah, that makes sense. Among the ones that auditioned, Jennifer Grey, Demi Moore, Courtney Cox, Tracy Gold. Jennifer fucking Grey. Jennifer Grey would have been Jennifer so Grey good. Jennifer Grey would have been awesome. I mean, Courtney Cox would have been awesome too, but let's save her for Scream. Well. And Friends and all that Also, nobody knew who Courtney Cox was. The only thing anybody knew her from was Dancing in the Dark. Dancing with Bruce Springsteen on stage. No, 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 no. Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey would Jennifer have Grey been Jennifer Grey with great. Charlie Sheen. No. Yeah. Jennifer Grey and see Tom's Howell. It's a Ferris Bueller's reunion. It is. It is. You know it. It would have been amazing. Shauna. Shauna. Jeannie Shauna. <laughs> All right. Now I have to cut that in. <laughs> you do. But you're evil. Yep. All right. So that's it. That's all I got. The trivia turned it around a little bit. A little bit. Fun. A little bit. I think one of the things that I, I've said it before, but I love about horror is I love the effects. The other problem that I had with the ending mm-hmm. was that last effect was so not good. Oh, yes. Okay, so the effect. So the ending. I forgot to talk about this. So Wes Craven, he just wanted it to end happily. He wanted her to get in the car and go to school. Everything's turned back around. It was all a nightmare. In this fake dream nightmare thing? Yeah. He wanted everything to get reset and just go on with your life. But he had to write an ending for a sequel, right? The studio made him. Yeah. And so there was some back and forth about the compromise, and it ended up being, okay, the car they get trapped in, and her mom gets pulled in through the door. Here's the thing. First of all, I hate the effect with her mom being pulled into the Yeah, because it's clearly a mannequin. It's such a mannequin Halloween costume skeleton. Like, we've had these amazing effects. it's cheap. And it's so cheap looking right there at Mm -hmm. the end. Like, even the Freddy turning into Stardust nightmare stuff, Mm -hmm. okay, whatever. That's actually okay. Mm -hmm. Altered States did just about as well in 1981 with the same type of effect. Yeah. But we cheap that, and so I've been invested in this movie solely based on the special effects, and then that happens, and you saw me just go, oh, man. Yeah. It kind of ruined it. It ruined it. It just makes, it, it just sours the end. See. And it's fine. I get what happens there, mm-hmm. but it was just like, you guys did so good right up until this point. And then this ending is just so lazy. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a hemming and hawing, and then it was, fuck it, we just have to do something. Mm-hmm. And then they just threw an ending on paper. Instead of Wes taking the time to think out, okay, how can I do this where this movie will stand alone? 
and at the same time give them the option for a sequel. See, I think they should have left it with just the them closing the convertible and it having that awning and just gone on. Because then you can kind of have the idea of like, okay, it's done. But then you can also be like, he's not gone. He's going to show up everywhere. And then the next film, you can kind of have those stripes like popping up on and on and on. I mean, there is a way to do it. It was a little more subtle. Because I don't want the whole thing with the mom, no. That ending feels just tacked on for no good reason. It does. Because it is. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh. Though, uh... Them screaming at the the top coming down is real because it came down a lot harder and faster than they intended. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. It's time to decide, like, what is our rating this time? How many window bars are you going to give it? Mom! I can't get out, Mom! <laughs> this movie is such a mess because it is so cool to watch mm-hmm. and yet so hard to believe it's just so hard to fight through the acting to get to the next cool sequence yeah but i mean those cool sequences are pretty cool yeah no like i said i i would probably give it a three like halloween if that end didn't just leave you with a bitter taste Mm -hmm. as it is i'm gonna go two and a half because i wanna i wanna say it's better than that but halloween does much better with pretty stiff actors, and yet that story stays consistent the whole way through, including giving us an ending where we have the opportunity for mm-hmm. a sequel. But if that movie had been it, yeah, it would well, be it's fine. fine. Yeah. So <laughs> this, it just leaves you on such a bad note. Then I'm left looking back at a lot of the flaws instead of the good stuff from it. It's a two for me. Wow. <laughs> The acting is really bad. Like, despite the bits that I like, it's bad. And the writing of the dialogue is also really, really bad. Yeah. The, what saves this movie for me is I like our villain. He, I, It creeps me the fuck out. I love all the effects. I do. He created an amazing villain, a believable villain. Like, I, I am scared of this villain, so yes. See, and I'm more freaked out by a Mike Myers. Well... That's why we're different, and that's why we have different serial killers. <laughs> that's just that's just the way it is. Two for me. I liked Halloween. I like Saw better. Like I'm surprised I like Saw so much more than this. Because Saw's a better premise. It's a it's a more complicated premise. So what's up next? Uh, next is a little punishment that you have to endure. <laughs> um, if you were with us last year, you will have listened to our Scream coverage. And David got in trouble. Yeah. So he has to rewatch Scream, and then we're we're gonna record a little conversation about him rewatching Scream. And so next week we're doing Scream Two. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then later this month for our patron exclusive content, we're gonna do Scream Three and Four. I'm a glutton for punishment. Well, you you done messed up good last year, so now it's time to pay the piper. Yep. It's time. So, yeah, I'm going to make David watch three Scream movies, a four, because he has to watch Scream 1 again. <laughs> and, yeah, we're going to talk about it, go through some more Scream therapy, I believe, and we'll see how it co- plays out. And maybe, just maybe, Wes Craven will redeem himself. Wes Craven does not need to be redeeming himself. He did great with Scream, so he's fine. Mm. He's fine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Until uh-huh. next time. Bye, everybody.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.